is up, Devil fans? Welcome to the Trap Podcast. It is Tuesday, May 2nd, and the Devils have eliminated the New York Rangers in Game 7. What a day to be a Devils fan. Soak it all in. We got special guest on the program, the Big Tickle, my brother Kyle. How you doing, buddy? Kyle, you there? What's up, Billy? It's a great day to be a Devils fan. What? My goodness. What an insane feeling to wake up this morning and to soak all that in and to have that weight lifted off of our chest. I swear to God, the past two weeks for me has been so stressful. While I love that the Devils are in the playoffs, I'm not going to lie. Like, I don't know how much more of this I could have took. It was it was a real roller coaster ride this past uh, series. Of course, playing the New York Rangers, it makes it that much more adds that much more pressure to the storyline. But my God, it was it was starting to wear on me a little bit. Um, you know, there was there was just so much to go over going into last night's game. And this whole entire series to me has been, um, it's been fun. It started off with us going to the games at the rock and you just seeing a team who ended the year on such a high note and they, you know, they, they break the all time record for most points and, uh, Jack Hughes breaks the point record and the team just looks phenomenal. Luke Hughes scores in overtime and, and then they play their first two games of the playoffs versus our biggest rival. Everyone was so excited. And, you know, the first game was awesome because there, there wasn't that many Ranger fans there. Um, it was the least amount of Ranger fans I've ever seen at a Devils game. But you were like, what team is this? I didn't even recognize who we were. And you thought to yourself after game one, well, at least it can't get any worse. We're not going to play worse than we did in game one. And you thought that, you know, it was the first first time that these kids have played in the playoffs. It's going to take a little bit of getting used to. They were nervous. They were clearly nervous. So you thought, well, in game two, maybe they get back on, on their horse and they get back on track. And game two was arguably worse. And you thought to yourself, what the hell is going on? And you knew that the Rangers were pissed about losing in the playoffs last year. They were a team that went out and made a bunch of moves to try to make a playoff push. And we couldn't stop their power play. Our goaltending looked inadequate. We were being outcoached. We were taking too many penalties. We weren't scoring goals. Shesterkin looked amazing. And you thought, this, this is over before it even started. And you thought, what a horrible way for the season to end. You know, coming back from a two nothing two, down two nothing, the chances were the chips were really stacked against us. I don't know what the actual percentage is of winning a series when you're down two nothing. But you thought, shit, we just lost our two games at home. Now we're going on the road. The garden's obviously rocking. It did not feel good. But out of nowhere, in game three, you see this Devils team 
that not only played very good, but it wasn't like a Devils team that we saw during the regular season. It was very sound defensive game. Um, you know, very responsible. Only, only taking areas of the ice that were given to you and pl- playing, clogging up the neutral zone. That wasn't typically what we saw throughout the year. Um, what were your, you know, when you when you saw the way that we played in Game Three before we won the game, what were your thoughts on that? Because to me, it was like, who is this great defensive team? This is not, you know, the. I don't think the Devils have been bad defensively this year, but I didn't expect them to come out and have the kind of dominant defensive performance that they had especially after the last two games that they played versus the Rangers where they put up five goals on the team back-to-back. Um, were, you know, what were you thinking when you, when you saw the way that they were playing structurally in game three? Yeah, I mean, I think that we kind of got back to our game a little bit more. <clears throat> kind of the butterflies, whether they were just riding the wave or, or – whatever it may have been, we looked much more crisp on that first pass and breaking out. And obviously just defensively, we looked more sound overall. Yeah. So they, they keep it really close. The game goes into overtime and you, you really think what happens if Dougie Hamilton doesn't score that goal bar down on a beautiful assist from Jesper Bratt, this series is over. Let's be real. They're not coming back from down 3 nothing, But they were able to pull a rabbit out of a hat, and it gave them a little life. And you thought, all right, if we could win one more game and we would bring this thing back to Jersey, tied, anything can happen. We can have the momentum. And then sure enough, game four, we build off a of game three. Akira Schmid hops into net as a rookie in the garden and looks amazing. And the Devils played the same defensive structure and were able to pull out another win on the road in the garden. Beautiful goal by Jonas Siegenthaler. Then game five hits. And I don't mean to do a whole recap of the series, but the series, it, it leads up to where I'm getting at. And then game five hits, and they keep building off of game four, and they look amazing, and we blow the Rangers out. There's a huge party in Newark. Devils fans are really feeling it. Um, it, it, was a, it was a great game. Schmidt gets the shutout, and then Saturday, game six, they go into the garden, and... What was weird was we came out, we looked amazing to start the game. Mercer turns the puck over at the end of the first period that leads to a power play goal with 30 seconds left in the period. And the Rangers go into the into the intermission 1-1, knowing that they just stole a period from us. And the penalties ruined us. And the, the Rangers capitalize, they tilt the ice, and they're able to take advantage of any opportunities that they had. So going into game seven last night, I was I had a lot of thoughts. And my, my thought process was, are the Devils going to be like, we're, <clears throat> we are, 
we're happy to be in this situation. And is Akira Schmid going to be able to shake off giving up five goals in, in a game, in his last game? And is the veteran leadership and presence of the New York Rangers going to prepare them? Are they going to be more mentally prepared for such a big game, having played in situations like this before, rather than a young team who's trying to navigate their way through their first playoff series? Um, I'm not going to lie. I felt very uneasy going into this game. Uh, I feel like, I felt like this was the first time that having experience really actually mattered in the series. And I didn't know what you were going to get. And you didn't know if the Rangers were going to work off of their strong victory in game six. There was a lot of, it literally felt like I had a center block on my chest the entire day. Like it was, there was so much anxiety surrounding the rock last night prior to the game. Um, you knew that they were going to start Schmidt again, as they should have. And you just wondered, like, if he was mentally prepared to go in there and not get rattled off of kind of getting blown up in his previous game. What, were your, what was your thought process going into the game yesterday? Well, I was obviously nervous like everyone else. You know, Game 7, super exciting to be there. Um, At the start of the season, if we, you know, if you had told us that we were going to be in a Game 7 against the Rangers round one of the Stanley Cup playoffs, we obviously all would have been thrilled. Um, Very exciting. I was obviously very nervous, apprehensive going in, but I really did feel like, you know, you, you watch all the interviews, Lindy seemed cool and loose. The guys, all, all of the, the player interviews seemed cool and loose coming home at the rock, seeing, you know, the, uh, the game five performance that we knew that they could, what they could do. I I really did feel like we were going to, to come in and win. Obviously it could have gone either way. I think that Vegas had it. The, the uh, money line was literally dead even. So it, it could have gone either way. And I was nervous that it was going to go the Rangers way, but the devils just proved what type of team they are. They, you know, being down 0-2, first round, coming back, it really just, you have to be excited about this team. And, you know, we t- we talk about, you know, we have Luke Hughes and Simone Nemitz and, you know, our future is so bright. It's like, let's not get distracted by that because we could, we could really make it this year. Um, you look at the Bruins, the, you know, the incredible regular season. You look at the team that they've had for the past decade, over the past, the past decade. Um, a lot of these guys, you know, Bergeron, Marchand, all of their, their key components that have been with them for, for so long, they've, they've only won one cup in the past 
is it? Um, they won the cup in 2011. One cup. And you think of Boston as kind of being this, you, you, I don't know. It feels like they've won more cups since then. Does it not? Well, they're always competitive. Yeah. They're always competitive. And it's like, you know, they won when they were young and they haven't won it since. So I just feel like we can't, you know, rest on our laurels and be like, oh, well, we're, we're in, you know, this is the first part of the rebuild and we're going to get better. It's like, we have the team now to win the cup. And you, again, you see what they did this, this, this first round. And I don't know, I believe. Yeah, it was. So, you know, to me, the everybody was on pins and needles going into the game. And the one thing I thought to myself was you can't take penalties. That was obviously the one thing everyone was preaching. Um, we saw some lineup changes prior to the game. Miles Wood was going in for Curtis Lazar, who scored in game six. And then you had uh, Sharon Govich was going to plug in on the third line for Jesper Boquist. I tell you what, like, I was there and I kind of said, I just believe in Lindy Ruff. I really did. I didn't question his lineup changes. I have not been a fan of Wood all year. Uh, I think that his um, penalties have killed us. He has not performed offensively up to his standards. And I still just, I thought Ruff knows what he's doing and I'm going to go with the flow and whatever happens, happens. And I had this like kind of reassurance going into last night that even despite the outcome, my, my one fear early in the series was they might not gain anything out of this playoff experience because of they of them getting blown out so bad in the first two games. And if it continued that way and they got swept or something, you thought, shit, like maybe they just, maybe this, you'd hate to see this be a year that they make it to the playoffs and they're not able to take anything positive away from it or they're not able to learn what it takes to be in the playoffs because they got run out of the building. And at least going into game seven, you thought, Okay, well, even if they lose, you see that they've grown so much over the course of two weeks. I mean, in a matter of one week, the game that they played in one and two compared to the games that they played in four and five were completely different games. It was like watching children play and watching grown professionals who have been doing this for a million years that know where they're supposed to be and know what it takes and know the physicality that's involved and know the smart plays and like people that know how to live to fight for another day. And to watch them grow that much over the course of two weeks to me was the most impressive thing that I've taken away from this entire playoff experience. It was Jack Hughes playing better defensively and playing smarter in his own zone and back checking and clearing pucks from his, you know, stomach in the crease. And, um, and it was Timo Meyer. And, you know, if you told me going into this series that Timo Meyer, Nico Heischer and Jesper Bratt, well, Jesper Bratt had an empty net goal yesterday, but weren't going to have any goals going into game seven. Vitek Vanacek was going to get pulled from net and was going to start the first two games, but Schmidt was going to play the last, the end of the series that the devils were going to have a chance to win. I'd say that you were crazy and you saw 
a guy like, you know, you just saw it up and down the lineup, really. You saw guys that had have playoff experience really did step up. And you know that these other guys in the Heishers and the Myers, they had their imprints on this series big time, despite not being on the scorecard. Um, and we'll get into this, we'll get into this game. You know, the game started off, the Devils really played great in the first period, except they took a penalty two and a half minutes into the into the period on a bum call where Bastion was skating through the neutral zone. He has just as much right to the ice as whoever he got called for tripping. And it was a bad call. And you could see on Bastion's face that they had made it a point to not take stupid penalties. And to take a penalty that early in the game, you could tell he knew he was in deep shit. Um, so that was concerning. He gets a tripping penalty against Tyler Mott. But what happens is Nico comes back and he plays a really good, which we've been amazing on the penalty kill. But Nico on the penalty kill is able to get a semi breakaway, which causes Adam Fox to take a, a holding penalty against him. I thought that the Devils controlled majority of the five on five pl play up until Severson takes another penalty, 11 44 into the period, followed by Kevin Ball who takes another penalty 14 minutes into the period. And in my head, I'm thinking, here we go again. This looks exactly like game six. We were dominating play five on five. We started taking penalty after penalty after penalty. It put too much pressure on our penalty killers. It fatigued them. And it didn't give our speed and our offensive weapons enough time on the ice. And it just lends itself to, you can't win when you take that many penalties. So that's what, I mean, I think I hit you up during the first period. And I was like, yeah. we're never going to win, right? Like, we can't win if we take three penalties in the first 14 minutes of the game. Totally. Uh, and not to be a sore, sore loser about this thing, but I, I just have to address it. I thought that the officiating was atrocious last night. Um the Bastion call was weak. Um, Mott steps on, I, I believe it was Mott steps on Severson's stick, and which leads to the Severson penalty. Um, the the Jack breakaway, no call. I don't think that it should have been a penalty shot, but you know he clips him in his wrists uh, on on the breakaway. Um, the Timo. It's hit which the, we'll get the, into that's all the just the jesper brat high stick that didn't get called that they the called Jesper brat high stick uh there was a trip i believe on marino that didn't get called um and then it seemed like the refs were literally setting picks out there especially on uh the penalty kill as we're trying to clear the zone like just clogging up you know as we're trying to trying to clear from the corner like they're literally either setting picks getting in the way or just straight up their body is physically in the way from us clearing it and you know trying to find alternative routes up the boards which you, you don't want to do if you have a clear shot to clear it i i really really again not trying to be a sore loser you know if we had lost the game we would still be talking about it but i again i, I really think that the the officiating yeah, I was just I specifically remember a play where Hamilton was trying to get the puck out of the zone and the ref 
blocked the puck yeah. in the corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but we end up, we go, you know, we kill all these penalties, and then we, we have pressure on them the entire first period despite being on the penalty kill. Our penalty kill was amazing. I think the entire, the entire playoffs, um, despite, you know, game six, despite game one and two, our penalty kill has been amazing. And the, they did. They scored on the power play in game six off of a redirect, off of a, it was off of Kreider's shin pad. But besides that, our penalty kill has been really good after really getting caved in on the games one and two. And it was because we played a little more aggressive. We didn't give these guys as much time and space. So you go into the first intermission and you're thinking to yourself, we look pretty good, but we got to stay out of the box. And that's what everybody is kind of talking about in the, in the, um, in the concession area. People are excited. Everybody's, there's a lot of tension in the building. Um, fans are really excited and riled up. There's a lot of Ranger fans there. And it goes into the second period, and we completely dominated play from here on out. And I was worried because the second period has been a very sore. We have not been good in the second period in this series. Yeah, it's been a weak spot. We, sure. It's been very weak for us. And I was like, you know, I don't want this. I don't want the, if we start taking penalties the way we did in the first period and the second period, this is going to get out of hand. And it's going to be one of those things to where you're dominating play. Their goalie looks good. Again, Shesterkin looks good again. And we're not capitalizing on these scoring chances. You're letting them in the game. You're taking too many penalties and it only takes one shot and they're up one, nothing. And the game really changes. I thought, Schmid made a huge save on Alexi Lafreniere coming down the wing on a two-on-one on a glove save in the second period that if he, if he scores on that, that changes the whole complexity of the game. Not to mention Lafreniere was invincible the entire, invisible the entire playoff series. He was horrible. This is going to affect the way that people look at him, you know, possibly for the rest of his career. They might not think he's a complete, um, you know, failure in a, uh, what's it called when you're a first round bust? Uh, yeah, they might not think he's bust. a first round. Yeah. They might not think he's a bust, but he is definitely never going to live up to the first overall pick caliber that he's supposed to be. He was nowhere to be found. Um, the same thing with yeah, Panarin, Schmid, obviously. Schmid made, Schmid made a, a really incredible glove save on uh, Zibanejad as well. Um, and, and and just yeah, and what you saw was tell me you didn't see like oh Schmidt is seeing the puck really good tonight. He looked very confident. He did not look rattled. I mean, it, he saw the puck so clearly. He was making these saves and just not letting up any rebounds off of him. Not flailing around. Was composed. Was very structured. He was. It was everything you want to see from a goalie who hasn't faced a ton of shots and now is facing a high danger scoring chance. That was the exact response you would want to see from a young kid coming off of a game where he let up five goals on the road and he's in a game seven, the biggest game of his career. Um, it was really impressive. I felt really comfortable watching the way that he played and seeing how comfortable he was in the position that he was in. And then sure enough, Jesper Bratt gets called for a tripping call after he takes a stick to the face from Truba off the face-off. 
And he was not happy about it at all. And as the penalty is winding down, you could see Andre Palat gets in on the forecheck, gets into the corner, makes him turn the puck over. They think that they're going to be able to get out of the zone. He continues to forecheck. Basically just outskates Kreider, supposed to be the heart and soul of the team, outskates him, comes up and over and around him, strips the puck from him, takes it back to the net, makes this crazy pass to McLeod, who then McLeod comes in like freaking Mario Lemieux and has like hands of butter on him and goes around Shesterkin and they score a shorthanded goal. And the place went freaking nuts. And yeah, you know, it's Fox funny. Fox was on that play too. It was Fox. He was. And it was Kreider Fox and Kreider. That, yeah. yeah. The heart and soul of the team. And what happened was they got outworked. Period. And that's like something like, you know, the one of the biggest things I thought about in this game was are the like the 30-year-old New York Rangers who have all this pressure on them, who made it to the Eastern Conference Finals last year who are veterans, who have been around for a long time, are they going to want it more than this young team whose window's just opening? And, well, if we didn't, you know, we don't win this game, we still had such an, uh, we have a bright future ahead of us, and we had a very successful season, and nothing could have been further from the truth. It was the complete opposite. The Devils wanted that game more than the Rangers. They skated harder. They won more board battles. They won pucks in open ice. They had more will, and they played with more heart than the New York Rangers. And that is not something that you learn from experience. That is something that is built into the chemistry of a team. And that is why the Devils can win the Stanley Cup. It's because this is more about the heart and the soul and the camaraderie of the New Jersey Devils than it is about the talent. And... One of the things that when I look at this team, it's like when you look at a young person and you see like the amount of life that they have in them and you see like the, the energy that a young person, whether it's a, a, a kid or it's uh, someone in their 20s who's about to enter into, you know, the first part of their career or it's just, it's this like shining of someone's soul, like their life and vitality. They bring an energy that you cannot, you you can't pay for. It's not something that you can try to recreate. You know what I mean? It's something that you either have or you don't. And you saw it from our team last night. They had this, they had this light that they brought to the game to where it wasn't, we're going to just, we're going to hope to win. We're not even going to let you get into this game at all. We are going to finish you out. This is not going to be a one-goal game. We are going to completely dominate time and possession of the puck. We, as This is one of the most, to me, this is the biggest disparity in games played from one team to another in a game seven. I mean, game sevens are typically very close. This was complete fucking dominance. And I think it was because of the chemistry around this team. And I give a lot of credit to Lindy Ruff, who he knew that these kids are going to have a lot of pressure on him. And leading into the series, he made things very light. And they said that the vibe around practice and they said the the pregame was phenomenal, that the people f- 
felt very comfortable and people were making jokes and they were having a great time. And he told them that if you're going to go play in this game, this should be the most fun that you've ever had in a hockey game. And I think his, his um, press conference after his post game conference after game six was a really great reflection of how he was going to handle it, where he basically said all those penalties and all that, it was kind of, it was bullshit. He basically said it without saying that it was bullshit. And I feel really comfortable that we're going to go into game seven and take care of business. I'm not worried. And he kept it really light. And you could tell these guys did not play scared. They played, Did I mean, let's get right into it. The next goal, John Marino, typically not known for his offensive play, comes from the point and literally knifes through the entire Rangers center of the ice through the entire team and makes this amazing play to where he almost scores on and then and he feels comfortable enough to do that you know what I mean like this is a young person in the biggest stage the biggest moment versus the biggest rival and he feels comfortable enough to pinch and drive to the net as a defensive defenseman and make a play and it turns straight into a Thomas Tatar goal who you could see the emotion on Tatar's face after he scored that goal and it's that's a guy that we have not brought up once the entire this entire playoff series. He's been MIA. We have not seen anything from Tatar. But Tatar is a devil through and through. This is a guy that's been here for two years and he struggled last year. And they want you know, people talked about getting him off the roster and letting him go. And how great has and what a and what a character player and you know veteran presence Tatar has been for this team all season. And for him to get on the board and score a goal in such a big game, you know, one of the things that they say about the team is we play with a ton of speed. And it's like all speed. And people talk about Jack Hughes and talk, people talk about Jesper Bratt and Heischer and, you know, all these speedy players that we have. Thomas Tatar is not brought up when it comes to physical speed, but his mentality, he plays and thinks the game very fast. And that is something that is overlooked. Like for playing with, a lot of players, you know, with that have speed, like a Mercer and a Heischer, and he's playing on a line with those guys. He's never out of position. He's aware of what's going on. He thinks the game very fast, and he puts himself in situations to score. And for him to get on the board, he's a guy that is reminds me of Eric Halla, to where if he starts putting him in, he could be a serious contributor to us in the playoffs moving forward. And we have scoring coming from our depth players and that's what you need in the playoffs in order to win games because you know that the Brat and Meyer and Heischer Wave are all coming. Depth scoring is incredibly important in the playoffs. What are your thoughts on, on you know, what we've seen from getting goals between Halla and, and the Mike McLeods and, you know, the yeah, Siegenthalers? Halla, Tatar, uh, Lazar. Again, all of these guys chipping in and, you know, it sounds like a cliche and it was brought up <clears throat> during the intermission on the broadcast. Um, I believe it was after game five and even Messier saying, you know, the the New York Rangers look, look like a collection of superstars. The New Jersey Devils look like a team. And, you know, it's just so evident watching these guys that, you know, it's... It's not just one guy. Obviously, again, our, our top guys didn't didn't you know light up the scoreboard, um, 
seeing seeing everyone be able to contribute it's it's that's that's what success is and that's what's going to get you deep into the playoffs um it's you know uh, it's it's re- it's really exciting yeah i mean you look at the you know you can get into the the analytics but we'll get into what happened in the third period. So we end up, we, we, we leave the period um, in the second period. We're up two to nothing, completely dominating performance by the devils. I mean, I was blown away. They, they were smart. They were fast. They executed crisply. They smothered the Rangers every time that they got the puck to where, you know, by the time that the Rangers actually had possession of the puck, most of the time they either had to dump it in make a change, get off the ice. They they weren't able to do anything. They couldn't skate through the neutral zone cleanly. It was really a textbook performance. And, like, I'm still so surprised by this defensive group, what we've seen from them. Dougie Hamilton and Yoga Siegenthaler led the way. Um, and you thought to yourself, <clears throat> a two-goal lead going into the third, this is where the Rangers are going to have to really open things up. And when they do, if the Devils just sit back, protect the lead, keep everything to the outside, it should lead to some good high-danger scoring chances going the other way. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. So, you know, you get Hughes and Halla on a two-on-one, and Halla, once again, for his fourth of the, of the postseason, finishes, and it's 3 nothing, and the party breaks out in Newark. Um on the you know, play created actually by Palat, if I'm not mistaken. So, so like Palat to me is a guy who it's weird. He's had a lot of bad plays in this postseason, but he's had a lot of like amazing plays too. You know what I mean? And I think he's a guy to where he's just starting to heat up and you see what he is capable of. You see the amount of puck battles that he wins. I mean, there's really nobody that, compares to him on the team when it comes to winning one-on-one battles. Um, he was just, he was really good. Um, and I think that he's just going to continue to be a dominating force as we, as we move on in the playoffs. You had, I thought that Yegor Sharangovich played a very strong game. One thing about Sharangovich that we need, that I thought we needed going into last game, was he likes to get pucks on net. He likes to shoot, and that's fine. We, we've spent a lot of time trying to set, set one another up for the perfect shot, and it just hasn't worked for us. I think getting pucks on net and then trying to finish off of rebounds was really important. Um, you know, if it wasn't for Igor Shosturkin, this series would have been over a long time ago. Shesterkin totally. saved that entire series for the Rangers. He was amazing. And you think about moving forward, the Devils are not going to see a goalie even close to the caliber that Shesterkin was. We've already beat the best goalie that you're going to face. So unless we make it to the Stanley Cup Finals and play the Dallas Stars and you play Ottinger, I mean... Who else is going to be able to make some of the saves that Shesterkin made this entire series? Like last night could easily have been a six goal. It was expected goals for 5.62, I believe. And it's like he's kept them in every single game. I don't see, I don't see who is going to goalie-wise be able to put up the kind of performances 
night after night in a seven game series the way that Chesterkin did. Um, yeah, I mean, he, it's it's not even close. It's not even close. He was far and away their best player. Again, not even close. Um, the the series would have would have been, you know, radically different had um, Igor not been in net, even in, in game six. It was like we got down and you just felt that sense of defeat. It's like we're not going to be able to get it by this guy. You know, he's just that good. Um, but you also have to hand it to, to Timo Meyer because he is renting space in – Igor's head like nobody else. Uh, did you see that that shot um, that he took at at Timo, literally throwing the puck at him? Yeah, and in the uh, first period, in the first period. No, no, no. I just thought I just thought that was funny. Yeah, just, no. He, he clearly he clearly owns not just not just the not just Sturkin, but the Rangers. I feel like, and in the first period, man. He, Timo had a couple good shots. He came down on a two-on-one where Shesterkin got his right leg out, and it was like a beautiful shot and an even sicker save. Um, so, but those are the those are the type of shots that you wanted to see them. That was like a shot pass, you know, rebound pass. Oh, that was a goal you know, scorer's. That, that, that was a goal scorer's goal too. Like I'm telling you, that was a really sick shot. I mean, yo, he finished the game last night with an expected goals percentage. A ninety four point seven five, like he basically right. controlled the entire game every time that he was on the ice, and we could get right into it. Fuck it. So, with about fourteen minutes left in the third period, Myers coming across the middle and Jacob Truba lays into him. And <clears throat> I'm gonna go off on a little. It's not a rant. It's just this is my honest to god thought process. When I, when I see a play like this happen. So I want to, we could start this off by saying that Scott Stevens is my favorite hockey player of all time. And Darius Kasparaitis was one of my favorite hockey players growing up. So I have nothing against open ice hits. I think that they take a lot of precision and I, the timing, there's a lot that goes into it. First of all, we should never bring up Jacob Truba in the same sentence as Scott Stevens ever again. They both can throw open ice hits. Yes. Besides that, Jacob Truba can't hold a candle to what Scott Stevens could do as a defenseman in the NHL. You're, you're literally referring to one of the greatest defensemen in the history of the league who played for like 20 years. You know, one of the most games played by any NHL player ever, three-time Stanley Cup champion, you know, second Norris in the Norris Trophy uh, voting multiple times. Let's not compare Jacob Truba to Scott Stevens out of respect to Scott Stevens just because he could throw hits in the center of the ice. So with that said, let's, let's remind ourselves that when Scott Stevens was blowing people up in the middle of the ice, it was the 90s and things were different. And Ronnie Lott was hitting people coming over the middle of the field in football and things were different. And do I like open ice hits? I do. But I don't like open ice hits that are malicious with the intent to injure somebody. And while Jacob Truba clearly laid a clean hit, I am not debating whether or not the hit was clean or not. 
He did it with the intention to hurt. And if he wanted to make a statement to get his team up and for the game, why didn't you do it six games ago when your team was still in the playoffs, when your team still had a chance? And why did you do it with 14 minutes left in the game when your team was getting completely dominated and you were losing by two and you knew you didn't have a chance to come back? The play was meant to hurt him. And with the information that we know and with the safety protocols that the leagues have put in place in all sports and with what we know about brain injuries to allow a 26 year old kid to get his fucking head smashed into oblivion and have potential brain damage on a nothing play like that play meant nothing to the game it just while it is legal and you are allowed to do it Maybe because I'm older and I'm 41 years old now and I have a little more respect for life at this point. But, like, if I never saw an open ice hit ever again and they took away a play like that, I would be completely fine with it and I would still enjoy the game of hockey just as much. While I do think that you should not be able to skate through the middle of the ice with your head down and you have the, you put yourself in a vulnerable position to get hit that it could happen, and that's part of the game. I agree with that. But at what point do we look at a repeat offender who has seriously concussed multiple people over and over and over and think to yourselves, is a young person's well-being for the rest of their life more important than a random hit in a hockey game? I... I it sounds lame and it sounds like that's soft and that's not what the game is, but I just think I've changed over the years. And if I could go back and you were to say, we're going to take away the Eric Lindros hit that knocked him out in game six. And we're going to take away this and that I would, I would give it all up for the hit. I really would. Like it's just, it was a pointless play and he knew exactly what he was going to do. He was not trying to separate the player from the puck. He was trying to run the guy into the ground, and he did. And if it wasn't Timo Meyer, who was the biggest, strongest guy on our team, and it was uh, Dawson Mercer, for instance, he could have seriously broken the kid's neck. Like, So I think the league really needs to take a look at certain situations and – figure out if it's really worth it to put people's lives and their careers in jeopardy from the same player over and over and over. You know, you saw Nick Cronwall used to do it. And it's like, at the time, I liked it. I thought, wow, like the timing and like the, the skating and the vision it was beautiful. It really is. It's like, it's like a boxer. It's like poetry in motion. But not the well-being of young people's health. You know what I mean? Like, there's enough stuff that they deal with as a hockey player that you're dealing with. And um, seeing Meyer laying on the ice last night, and he was clearly in trouble. Um, and I don't know what Igor Shosturkin, I'm going to give Igor Shosturkin the benefit of the doubt right now. I have no reason to. But to see him come and skate out to him and start talking to him, I hope he was not. I hope he was had good intentions and was seeing if he was okay rather than talking shit because that would be a real classless move. I have nothing to back any of this up. 
But I'm just saying I was at the game and I saw Shesterkin come out and was kind of like looking over him. Um, while I get it, they've been feuding the entire series. I, I, you know, you could tell that Meyer was really in a bad place at the time. And um, I was happy to see him get up and skate off the ice himself. And then I was happy to see him in the handshake line, face bloody, like hugging Jacob Truba. So I'd like to think that he's not too injured. But if it's not Timo Meyer and it's somebody who's a little bit lighter, you know, this could be, this could, you could be taking somebody out on a stretcher. And it, to me, I just don't think it's worth it anymore. Um, I still think that there's physicality in the game and I think that there's a place for all of it, but I don't think there's a, a place to, for intent to injure. And I will, if that makes me soft, then so be it. But I will take that to my grave. And it's like, people should live to fight another day. And last night could have been a really bad, it could have been really ugly. That was one of the ugliest hits I've seen in a very long time. I mean, his, he, not to mention his legs could have got caught underneath him. It was, it was gross. What'd you think of the hit Kyle? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't want to get into concussions and CTE and, and everything like that. What I will say is, okay. Physicality. We love, we, we love the game for its physicality. We loved the big hits, you know, watching, watching hockey in the nineties is vastly different than, than watching hockey now. It's a much more uh, brutal game than, and again, we love the big hits. I love an, a good open ice hit. I don't want to see that taken out of the game. And, but that hit, but that hit last night, what, again, leaving every, everything aside about you know, people's welfare. This is the game. That was a headshot. He had, a, you know, whether he has a broken nose or not, he's got a cut across the bridge of his nose. That doesn't, you know, it wasn't like he smashed his face into, into the ice. The officiating is what really bothered me about that because it's like, you want to put the, put away the whistles in the playoffs. God bless you. But that wasn't that wasn't what happened last night. You know, they're calling ticky tack stuff. How you don't call that a headshot is just is just beyond me. I I, I really don't understand that. Um, if you're if you're really trying to protect the the well being of of players, you know, it, it was it was a good hit back in the day. That would have been a completely clean hit, but how a guy's face gets bloodied when not hitting the ice. He obviously, it was obviously was, uh, you know, the hit that, that did it, that bloodied up his face. So I just don't see how that's not a headshot. Like um, what, why do it at that point in the game is that, that was my, you know, it was almost like we're about to lose this. I'm going to try This guy's been a pain in the ass the entire series. I'm going to try to kill him. That's what it felt like to me. And if that's your if that's your intention, you know, we've seen a ton of you know, we've seen millions of dirty plays. 
I just I don't understand how that how that wasn't a a penalty. Um, just in my opinion, um, I Re- regardless again, I of whether that- regardless of whether it was legal or not, do you agree that like they should they should change the rule then if it's not if that was legal, they should change the rule with it like an intent to injure a player just doesn't belong in the game anymore. Like this isn't the this isn't the hockey of the seventies where you could swing a stick at somebody or Ron Hextall come out of his goal crease and break somebody's leg with his stick. Like it's like, we're, I'd like to think we're a little more civilized of a society and a, of a league to where if you see someone purposely trying to injure somebody regularly, if this was a one-off, that would be one thing. You know what I mean? Like, but like the Radko Gudises of the world and the Brad Marchands of the world and the Jacob Trubas of the world, you don't get the benefit of the doubt when you've seriously given, given head injuries to multiple people. That just seems ridiculous to me. And I think that the hit last night was legal, but I think that it shows you that there's something wrong with the, with the rules in the NHL when it comes to people in vulnerable positions. And, um, it's a shame that it happened and there's no need to harp on it anymore, but I just, uh, it definitely bothered me. It was, it was like, there was no need for it. There was no need for it. And I guess there's no need for anything. So, I mean, whatever, it's, it's a very debatable topic and I'm sure all the old school fans are going to say, well, it's part of the game and you've got to keep your head up and all this stuff. And there's a part of me that hundred percent agrees with all of that. But then there's a part of me that says, you know, People change. Things change, dude. And maybe this is an opportunity for us to change because we, I feel like the NHL and the Devils kind of skated away with, uh, without some serious injury last night when it couldn't have been a lot worse. But regardless, uh, the Devils are able to end up cleaning up this game. You get into some of the numbers, and it's really like uh, we're talking about expected goal share is above 72%. Um, the money puck had us just a hair under 90% on the deserve to win meter. It was one of the best performances I've seen the devils play in years. And in the situation that the game was in, it, it could not have been bigger. It could not have come at a better time. It could not have come versus a better opponent. So all of that was great. And, you know, not to mention it's like you watch the games on these national televised games on ABC and ESPN, and they should be ashamed of themselves too. It's like, it was basically, it was a Rangers commercial. I get it. The Rangers play in New York city. They're an original six team. Well, guess what? Rangers haven't won shit in, they won one Stanley cup in how many years, 80 something years. You know what I mean? And it's like, I, I, can we call the game down the middle? Can we be, can you, can we not have a vested interest in it? in the market the size of the market should not decide who gets all of the um accolades and who we are rooting for on the ice ray ferraro is laughing while the rangers are scoring goals against the devils you know the they're calling schmid uh schmidt it's like uh i you know you're constantly hearing about mark messier in game six and the hat trick and mato mato and this and that and it's like yeah, well, the Devils have won three Stanley Cups since then. You know what I mean? 
And we finished higher in the standings than they did this year. And the Devils are never getting any of the recognition that they deserve, despite having two number one overall picks on their team. I think it's poor coverage of the sport, to be honest with you. This is an opportunity to showcase these young players. But everybody blows the Rangers so hard. Mark Messier talking about how there's no way that the Devils could come back and their talent doesn't match them nearly as much and this and that. And it's like, why? Because they got Patrick Kane and Tarasenko. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Patrick Kane is was a liability. He was nowhere to be found. Panarin, nowhere to be found. Alexei Lafreniere, nowhere to be found. You go down the line. Zibanejad, where were you, dude? It's like, I don't want to hear about the Rangers' talent. I don't want to hear about how the Rangers uh, are heavier than us because that's not true. I don't want to hear it. The only thing they have on us is their goaltending is phenomenal. But besides that, we wiped the floor with the Rangers. Wiped the floor. We gave them a two-goal lead where we were nervous kids in our first playoff games, and we still came out, and we kicked shit out of them for the rest of the series. And all their fans... They show up to the rock and they walk around in their sweatpants and their, you know, Patrick Kane Ranger jerseys and they act like they're the God's gift to the earth. It's like they like, you know, chant in their goal song and in in the corridor and they think they're so freaking, they think they're so superior. It's like you've never even seen them win, dude. You're like 22 years old. You're, you're a little dorky kid. But man, um, we can put all that to rest and we're never going to have to hear about any of that crap for, for a long time. And the good part is the Rangers are in turmoil right now and their team is not young and they're going to start making some moves and Panarin could be on the way out and Gerard Gallant could be on the way out and Chris Jury could be on the way out and Alexander Lafayette looks like a bust and Capo Caco is just okay, and Zibanejad's 30, and Kreider's 30, and you start wondering, you know, you got Fox, and you got Shesterkin, and the Devils are young, and basically, we have so much. We don't even have Nemitz or Hughes playing yet. So while I think the Rangers will be competitive, I think the Devils look like they could be a powerhouse and they could run the Metro moving forward. This is a big win. And this could be just the start of many, many playoff series victories. You look at what do we have coming up? And it's like, we go right to Carolina tomorrow night. And Carolina is going to play a game that's going to be a little bit more like the devil's game. It's going to be structured. They're going to try to transition on us. They're not going to, you know, they're going to play with speed. But they don't have the goaltending. They do not have the goaltending. You got Freddie Anderson and you got Antti Ranta. And Ranta's letting up 2.59 goals against with a 9.06 C percentage, which is very respectable. But Schmid looks like he is dialed in. And the amount of high-danger scoring chances that the Devils get Carolina is not meant to play from behind. I had Devils in six versus the Rangers. It went to seven. I like Devils in six again. This looks like a very favorable matchup for the Devils. What do you think, Kyle? 
Yeah, I like Devils in Six. Um, let me just say that I have absolutely zero remorse for you in the ESPN broadcast because you went to five of seven games and I had to watch them from my hotel room and listen to these broadcasts, uh, which were was just atrocious, in my opinion. Um, you know, ESPN, do a better job. Um, they, they can't. They don't even know how to. They really don't. Yeah, it's like they just they just don't know hockey, in my opinion. Um, it was it was really that game six was really the tipping point with Ray Ferraro laughing as uh, as the Rangers scored. It just it's it's unprofessional, and you know obviously Ray Ferraro knows hockey, but it's like just ESPN for God's sakes, do a better job. Um, yeah, uh, can you confirm something for me? Because sure. I wasn't at the game. Um, did we get the uh, Akira Tequila chance? Yes, multiple is that, times. Is that that's off? That's off the ground, right? Yeah, I, is, I, I heard it in the in the background twice, and I just wanted to Akira to confirm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'm watching these games from from my hotel room, and someone you know, next door must have thought either someone was getting murdered or uh, <laughs> laid in the most violent fashion uh, just from my screams. Uh, oh! <laughs> uh, oh my God. Just so exciting. So excited to see what they're going to do in round two. Um, I really think this team has legs and it's, let's see how deep we can go because uh, I think we got a shot. Yeah, it's like, I think it's such, this was such an important learning moment in the Devils it, for all these kids. And then you have, I mean, Heischer, Meyer, especially, more so than Brat, in my opinion, are going to start. Pucks are going to start going in. And when they do, they are going to oh, go in sure. bunches. And it's going to be like, holy shit. Um, I just... It's hard to picture a team that could trade high danger quality scoring chances versus us. I, I, I don't see it. I don't see how that's possible right now, the way that we're playing defensively and with the speed that we could play with. Um, and we have depth. And, I mean, and, we, and three lines. Schmidt looks in, incredible. He's dialed in, man. He looks great. Yeah. It's, it's really going to be very exciting. Um, you know, uh, we got we're, we're not the island 20 29 minutes until the uh the florida leafs game really excited to see what happens in that series as well and again i you know it's gonna be gonna be interesting to see who who can stop us because i truly believe that this team um has what it takes right now not next year I really think that that we can make up. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm with you. I I think this was like such a huge, to me, this was just such a huge win, uh, and the way that they did it and coming back and then the goaltending and then the defensive effort that we really weren't super familiar with. Um, I think that they just are going to take so much, uh, so much away from this from this series. Um. I can't believe they play tomorrow already. 
How exciting is that? Oh my God. It's about this exciting. It's about this exciting. Let's see what we got here. Oh God. Oh my God, the party in Newark afterwards last night. Dude. Yeah, I mean, I just saw I just saw it on social media, but geez, man, I wish I was there. Oh my God. So jealous. What a party in Newark. And good for all of us Devil fans. It's like, we have been to this so much. Did you see Nico Heischer smashing on the glass when Brat scored with the fans? Yep. yep. It's like, everybody is... Feeling the vibes of the devils. The devils are here now. And it's like we don't we don't have a big market to fight against with uh with the Carolina. We could just go out there and play our game and get a little publicity and get our players put on get a little spotlight on them, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, the pressure's the pressure's completely taken off of them, you know. They've exceeded everyone's expectations already. Um, let's just ride this wave. Oh, man. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for uh, joining me on the podcast. And congratulations to all the Devils fans. Go out and terrorize your Ranger friends. Let it be known. Wear your jersey gear out in town proudly. R.I.P. New York Rangers. You're listening to the Chop Podcast. We got the big tickle. Kyle in the building. And my name is Bill Botch. Thanks for listening. Talk soon. And the sun shines on